Welcome to the podcast of Jessup First United Methodist Church, featuring our pastor, Rebecca Duke-Barton. Good morning. Welcome to Jessup First United Methodist Church's podcast. I'm Rhonda Troll, the worship director. Our pastor, Rebecca Duke-Barton, is visiting another church today, and we have a special guest who's taking her place for the sermon for the podcast. It's Jessup First United Methodist Church's lay speaker, Jennifer Hoff, and I know you're going to enjoy hearing from her this morning. Our psalm for today is Psalm 78, verses 23 through 29. Hear the word of the Lord. Yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained down on them manna to eat, and he gave them the grain of heaven. Mortals ate of the bread of angels, He sent them food in abundance. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens, and by his power he led out the south wind. He rained flesh upon them like dust, winged birds like the sand of the seas. He let them fall within their camp all around their dwellings, and they ate and were well filled, for he gave them what they craved. so excited to be with you all today. My name is Jennifer Hoff and I am part of a team of lay speakers at Jessup First United Methodist Church. I consider it an honor and a privilege to stand in for my pastor and friend Rebecca Duke Barton while she is ministering away this weekend. We're going to jump right into the word but before we do I have to ask, do you have any crazy friends? Of course, I use that as a term of endearment, but in case you didn't know, today is Friendship Day, and we're going to look at the incredible story of a paralyzed man who was blessed to have not just one, but at least four crazy friends who would stop at nothing to get him in front of the one that they believed could heal him. I'll be reading now from Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. One day, as Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. 
and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came, carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't know about you, but personally, I have a list of people that I would like to meet in heaven one day, and the man who is paralyzed in this story is on my list. I have to meet him. I'm just so curious. What was going through his mind when his friends decided that taking him through the roof was how they were going to get him in front of Jesus? And the friends. I definitely have to meet the friends. I want to know, whose idea was it? Was everyone involved immediately on board with this plan? Did anyone need coaxing? And what about our beautiful Savior? Did Jesus keep a straight face, or was he perhaps wearing a big grin when dirt and dust started to fall? Could the crowd tell by his facial expressions that their faith had pleased him? I love this story. I love the lengths and the heights that these men were willing to go for their friends so that he could come face to face with Jesus. I love the impact, the effect that the faith of a few had, not only on the man who was paralyzed, but on a multitude. I love how Jesus responds to those who had put their trust in him and to those who were there trying to find fault. How amazing is our God, all-knowing, all-powerful, perfect in all of his ways. There are so many awesome things that took place here, but since we're focusing on friendship today, the first thing we need to know is that life is not meant to be a solo act. In fact, if we go all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to the book of Genesis, we see that the first thing God said was not good was for man to be alone. The man who was paralyzed could not get to where he needed to go without the help of his friends. And the friends could not carry him without help from one another. You and I are no different. The body of Christ needs the body of Christ. We were designed for community, and Christ-centered friendships are not only a beautiful blessing, but they are so important. Everyone needs friends around them, but it does need to be said that not everyone around us is our friend. 
That's not to say that people don't genuinely like us or that they don't even have good intentions, but the Bible has a lot to say about friendship and not taking heed to its warnings can land us in a lot of hurt and drama and things we don't need. To give an example of how important this is, how many of us have heard the advice, follow your heart? Whether directly or indirectly, I'm sure we've all heard that. It even sounds nice. The problem is, when you compare that statement with the Word of God, it doesn't line up. Jeremiah 17.9 tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. It says who can understand it. Our hearts are not to be followed, they're to be led. So you see, that kind of advice of taken has the potential to create all kinds of chaos. Proverbs 13.20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. A few weeks ago, Pastor Rebecca preached a powerful sermon about the friendship of David and Jonathan, and one of the things she spoke at length about was David's character. David was not a perfect man. We know that from last week, but he was a man after God's own heart. And among other things, he was a phenomenal friend. Our friends influence us. They speak into our lives. So before we give someone that kind of access, we would be wise to know that they too have hearts after God's own heart. It would be wise to know that ultimately, the Word of God is their compass in life because those are the ones who are going to stick by your side and help your faith grow stronger in Christ. The wrong friends would have left the paralyzed man at the door at the first sign that this was going to require more than they had thought. In fact, they may not have even been willing to carry him anywhere in the first place. We live in a day and age where we're told that if we just get on our phones, pull up an app, type in some information like our names, our birthdays, and maybe where we're from, if we feel like sharing that kind of information, we can simply create an account and as soon as we do that, we can start adding friends to our lives. We can have hundreds, even thousands in no time. But ask for help moving, and you just might have made your most unpopular post. This man's friends loved him. They cared about him. He could trust these people. And they didn't just carry him anywhere to anyone. They took him to Jesus. I'm not sure how far these men had already traveled, but it would have been so easy for them to just give up when they realized they weren't getting through the door. There's nothing new under the sun. People quit all the time. It's not hard to imagine how the story could have gone instead. <sighs> Sorry, friend. We really wanted to help. It's just so packed and there's all those religious men in there. Jesus probably doesn't have time for us anyway. Maybe we'll have another chance another day. We're all just so tired as it is. Who knows? Maybe one of them said things like that. Maybe the man who was paralyzed even said things along those lines. It's okay. Thanks anyway.
But even if they did, it certainly appears that between them, someone had to have said, no, quitting is not an option. We will go through the roof if we have to. We are not giving up. Jesus is here. He is in this place. We are not leaving until this guy sees him face to face. I still want to meet the person whose idea it was, but however they came up with the plan, they went through the roof. They lowered the man down on his mat right in front of Jesus. And verse 20 says, seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralyzed man that his sins were forgiven. Someone needs to hear that again so that it might encourage their heart and silence what the enemy tries to twist in their mind. It says, seeing their faith. It doesn't say that Jesus saw their credentials. It doesn't say that they were pretty good guys or that he noticed they had come from the right side of the tracks. This is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords we are talking about. And it says, seeing their faith, he told the man his sins were forgiven. We need faithful friends and friends need us to be faithful. Loneliness is a very sad and very dangerous thing. Social isolation has been linked to serious health problems, but it can also open a door for Satan to try to convince us of lies that can potentially lead to places that we never want to go. People like the woman with the issue of blood, people like the man in our scripture today, so often they were just cast aside instead of loved and cared for by those around them. There was an extremely common belief in those days that there had to be a connection between one's sin and one's misfortune. We see an example of that in John 9. When Jesus saw a man who had been blind since birth, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? But Jesus said neither. He said it wasn't the man's sin, it wasn't the parent's sin. He said this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Even his closest followers saw cause and effect at work there, but Jesus dispels that and said, no, that wasn't it at all. Still, it was and it is such a common thing to struggle with. Three days before Christmas, my husband and I received the most precious gift and he is so spoiled. We had actually welcomed our son when he was just three days old, but it was on that particular day this past December that our adoption was finalized. A couple weeks later, I went to the mailbox, and although I knew to expect all the documents to come, I did not know how seeing it all in print would hit me until it did. As I looked at my son's birth certificate, I was completely overwhelmed. I was crying so hard, but I found myself laughing at the same time because listed under mother was my name, and I just thought, look at my God. You have to understand that doctors said my chances of having a child of my own were extremely thin. God said, I have a plan. And I know I left some out, but there were people that I had to reach out to and share the joy of that experience with because their love, their prayers, the way they joined their faith with ours had carried me so far. The journey to that day had been a long one. 
We met that newborn baby who is now our son 10 years after I asked God for a miracle. And it was two more years after he came to us before our adoption took place. I'm a Christian. I had faith before I had a diagnosis. But there were times that I so struggled with my situation because I knew that God could heal me. I knew that nothing was too hard for him. But month after month and year after year, he had still chosen not to. I share all that to say that there were times that I questioned whether or not I was being punished for sin. I questioned whether there was a connection. I thank God for people that he placed in my life that I could be real and vulnerable with who would speak to my pain and my shame and gently remind me that the devil is a liar and Jesus took the punishment for my sin when he poured out his blood on that cross. Although my affliction was different, I can understand that the man and his friends were perhaps wondering what was happening when Jesus saw their faith and told the man his sins were forgiven. After all, he was paralyzed. When Jesus told him that, this man was still on the mat. I mean, they had come and they had persevered. They went through a roof because they believed Jesus was the one who could heal his body. But what I've learned in my own life is that in his love and in his sovereignty, God will sometimes bypass giving us that thing we ask for so that he can give us what we truly need. And it is him. It's always been him. Sometimes we want so badly for God to do something for us, but what he wants is to do something in us. I thank God for crazy friends filled with the love and the compassion of Jesus who will go the distance with us. Friends who will say, we see you. We know this is hard. We know that this road you're on has been long and paved with disappointment. We know you feel beaten up and like you have fought all you can. We know you're tired, but know this, we are on this road with you. And when you feel like you can't even stand, we will carry you to Jesus. I'm thankful for crazy friends who will step out in faith with us. One of the things I did before I ever had a baby in my home was I bought a crib. But do you know that I'm not the only one who did that? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. There was a particular rug that I just wanted so bad for a nursery and it was a friend who made sure I had it. We had books and bottles and all kinds of things ready for a baby that none of us could see. The world would certainly call that crazy, but we were stepping out in faith. Years ago, I didn't know how God was going to do it, but he did not waste those years. He was showing me his character and teaching me to trust him. I was learning that his grace is sufficient. And I'm so thankful that our God is so strategic. You know, we moved here from 800 miles away on faith. We had only been here once. That is nuts. But now I can see the things that weren't visible to me then. 
The Bible tells us that all of our days were written in his book before even one of them came to pass, and I love that. I believe it with everything in me. It has given me so much comfort over the last few years, and I'm so thankful that God gave me friends to encourage me to keep pressing into Him no matter what it looked like, to trust Him that He knew what He was doing, that there is a purpose for it all. He brought me to a place right there in what used to be Carolyn's office where I made a decision that even if God never chose to give me children, He was still good. He was still who He said He was, and I was going to praise Him for that. I was going to keep seeking His heart no matter what, and what He did with His hand was up to Him. The man who was paralyzed went to Jesus for a miracle, and before Jesus ever told him to stand, he received the greatest one of all, the same one he offers to anyone who will believe in him. This man had good friends. Praise God for them. But if we look at what happened here, there came a time where it was just between him and Jesus. When Jesus told him to stand, he had to trust Jesus with that. His friends could cheer him on, but he had to believe and do what the Lord told him to do. Friends are a good thing, but they can never be our everything. It's not their place. God has to have first place in our hearts. It's in Him alone that we find our identity, our value, and our purpose. He alone can heal the broken places in our lives. He has to come first. And when He's first, that is when we can properly love others as Christ has loved us. That's when together we can continue to run the race set before us and proclaim the gospel to a world that is so in need of Him. You know, I'm not exactly sure what made the friends go to Jesus, but someone must have either simply heard of him or they must have had a personal experience with him. Somehow they heard, they went, they experienced him for themselves. And now they could go and together they could tell others about the one who was able to do what no one else could. Christ-centered friendships are such a blessing, but we do have to remember that we're human. Even our good friends will fail us, and we will fail our good friends. It is God who never fails. And the amazing thing is, when we come to Him through faith in Christ and we are born again, He calls us friend. In closing, I want to acknowledge that we know people who, in His sovereignty, God chose not to heal their temporary bodies on this earth. And we hurt and we miss them, but we know that because they had faith in Jesus, they had everything. Their lives on this earth made an impact that will continue to affect generations. We thank God for their lives, and we thank Him for the hope that we will see them again. We thank Him because we know that they are no longer suffering, but in the presence of God Almighty, the greatest love and the greatest friend a soul could ever know. Father, in the matchless name of Jesus, I lift up every person under the sound of my voice. And God, I thank you for the gift of friendship. Thank you for the people that you have strategically placed in our lives to walk with us through the highs and lows. Father, I especially lift up anyone who is lonely, and I ask that you provide comfort like only you can.
But I ask too that you would send people to love on them and encourage them. Bless them with faithful friends that would point them to you, please God. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to the podcast of Jessup First United Methodist Church with Rebecca Duke Barton. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website. It's jessupfumc.org. That's J-E-S-U-P-F-U-M-C dot org.